Well, good morning. I'm grateful for the scripture we've heard this morning and pondering those verses in Psalm 19 that Bob Whiffen read to us earlier. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts as we share in this time this morning, may they be pleasing in God's sight. This morning we're going to try to continue the conversation in teaching from scripture and from our lives on this topic of what is my purpose in the world? That's a question, as Pastor Jeff said last week, that both believers and non-believers wrestle with. It's a universal question to all that have breath. What am I doing here? Does my life really matter? And if so, well, how or why? We're going to try to seek to plow through these questions with you over these next several weeks through the sermons and sharing in God's word as we look to really discover what our calling in God is. The truth is we all have one. And it's not just those of us in vocational ministry, but really all of us have a calling in God. As I've pondered some of this over the last few weeks, these verses have come to mind. But two in particular stand out to me as I think about God's call and God's direction, his purposes for us. And the first is found in Psalm 37, verse 23. The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of our lives. The message of this verse is affirmed in many other places. By way of facts, in some of my reading, I read that the average person in the United States takes about 4,700 steps a day. I like to take way more than that, but that's average, I guess, in this country. Over a lifetime, that's a lot of steps. But for the Christian, each of these steps, God orders. The word ordered means to make firm, to establish. Every day, God is firming up our steps to keep us from falling. These are two essential truths to remember about God in ordering our steps. And the psalmist writes in Psalm 40, verse 2, he set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. God is doing that for me and for you today. While others are sliding backward or stumbling, God keeps our steps firm and secure as we look to him. He plants our feet on paths and shows us where we should step, even though at times we admit sometimes it's just not pointedly clear to us. As we seek to follow Christ in this day, in our life journeys, this is key in our sincere seeking of God. Our steps will be directed and confirmed by him. The second verse that came to me and I meditated some on in these few weeks is from the writer of Proverbs. And it reads, we can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. John Hatley writes that a person's mind plans his course, but God determines or establishes his steps. The emphasis here falls on God's directing the course of one's life, as the saying reinforces the importance of trusting God in every activity. This doesn't negate our planning, for he says it is a plan that a devout person designs that God establishes and firms up for us. As I prepared for the message, though, it seemed to bring me back to thinking about a time 
and how Joe and I ended up coming to Community Chapel many years ago, back in the late 90s. It was directly connected to a very challenging church situation that resulted in the senior pastor at that church being asked to leave, and the result was a very split congregation. It's just one of those sad church stories that we hear about sometimes. We were so committed to not leaving that church for so long, but then things came to a place where we felt it was essential for the sake of our children, not becoming fully aware of all that was taking place there. And also it just came to a place where the chaos and divide just made worship there nearly impossible. So all that to say, that was a very hard time and I lamented and grieved with some very dear friends from that church really for the next few years over the losses that had occurred as a result of that very difficult situation. The time I knew Pastor Glenn Gardner from some district committees that I was serving on at the time. And he encouraged us to come here to Community Chapel to heal for a time and just have a place for our children to engage. So we did, but honestly, it took some time for it to feel like home to us here. I recall wondering for the first almost three years or so if this really was the place for us. But our children were in second, fifth, and eighth grade at that time and had a very hard time with the adjustment after leaving the only church that they had ever known. So I knew we couldn't really move around from church to church just to find the place that really seemed right to us, as it just wouldn't have been fair to them. So we stuck it out, and at times, honestly, that wasn't easy. As in those first few years we were here, we experienced the departure of five or six pastors, including Pastor Gardner, who left within a year after we got here. The up and down of all of that added to the challenges we were already trying to move past. At that point, we had been believers for about 15 years or so and had never really had a negative church experience. We were kind of pioneer Christians in our family. We did not have any background in Christianity or in the church. And so the church had truly become a family to us. So this experience really pierced our hearts. God was working, though, and had a plan, even though it worked itself out through these very difficult and disheartening situations. He continued in those months to direct our steps. I share all that to say we sometimes do wonder, what is God up to in our lives? <clears throat> Have you ever had things coming at you in all directions in your lives and really wondered, God, what is going on here? Where are you in all of this? Well, truth be told, I think we all get to that place sometimes. But our question still needs to be, what is it you're calling me to, God? What is it that my purpose is here in this situation right now in my life here on Earth? I think we need to remind one another that just because life is not going well, or things have not turned out as we thought, or even when we're feeling like life is a dream, and just like we hope for, God's purposes, his calling on our lives, doesn't change. It doesn't say in scripture that he orders our steps when we're 100% healthy, or when our family life is amazing, or when our jobs are everything we hope for. Nor does he say, well, when life is good, you're set now, you must be right where God wants you. As we seek God's will and purposes for us, we need to give attention to this. This is something I've talked about in parenting groups and even some in my groups at Keystone with the young moms. 
are we thinking with eternal eyes? Daily, whether we proclaim it or write it down or, or whatever, we are making choices about our priorities. But the question for us is, will this activity, will this reading, will this, you fill in the blank, will it make a difference in my Christian journey? Will it enhance the transformation of my life in Christ, of my Christian character? Will it matter as time goes on? Are those things helping me grow closer to Jesus? As Jesus followers, we are called to make decisions, plan our time, spend our resources of time and talent with the eyes of eternity, with an eternal perspective. One important area we do this in is our role as parents. As we plan family schedules, including the activities of our children, we must look at the limited time we have in raising them with eternal eyes. Of course, we need to include social and recreational things into our lives as a family. But when we do so, it has to be done with this question always at the forefront. Does this in any way interfere with our desire as Christian parents to teach them and model for them the things of God? Is the stress level in our lives or in our schedule such that there's very little space for free time? When truth be told, a lot of times those important moments of teaching come in those down times, in those empty spaces in our calendars. Busyness clouds our ability to hear from God. It's just a fact. It's true for all of us. Remember, we're looking for God's calling, his direction, his purpose. Busyness clouds our ability to really hear that from God. Thomas Merton has lamented the idolatry of busyness, which he says destroys our capacity for living contented and contemplative lives. Jerry Sitzer says, it has to be said that our very productivity keeps us from hearing the voice of God and doing the will of God. As we seek to live with eyes of eternity, let's remember what Sitzer is reminding us of. He says, people and the word of God are eternal. Most everything else is temporal. Make sure you're investing in the eternal. What Sister shares is really an echoing of Isaiah 48, which says, the grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of God lasts forever. Sister's wife, Linda, wrote in a letter just days before she died in a tragic car accident, along with one of her daughters and her mother-in-law. She writes, I am trying to live my whole life in the light of eternity. An eternal perspective will affect how we make choices from the littlest things to the biggest. It stresses the important over the urgent, need over want, service over pleasure, people over things. So appreciate those words from a woman who, of course, had no idea her days were very short. When we do this, we are living out God's calling because our purposes center around steeping ourselves in the word of God, the people of God has brought into our lives. Part of how we do this is we follow, every, we follow Jesus every day in the little things. That is what puts us on that trajectory of fulfilling his will for our lives. That includes things like sacrificial living, putting others first, doing an inventory about where there is and where there is not evidence of the fruit of the spirit in our lives. 
The start of a new year is a good time to do inventories in our drawers and cabinets. And I was reminded of that when I talked to Lou Upham this week. That's what she was doing. She was cleaning. I wish Lou would come clean mine. <laughs> Inventory in our finances, and most importantly, in our souls. Remember these familiar words of Paul to the Galatian church. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Are these fruits evident in our lives? Are we faithful in living out his commands even when we're fatigued, even when we're unhappy in our jobs or working through a difficult relationship? Are we faithfully following Jesus in the little everyday things? Again, this is what puts us on that trajectory of fulfilling his will for our lives. Sometimes we want these big God moments of miracles or we stay faithful only if our prayers are answered exactly as we want. Hear these words from Paul's letter to the Ephesians. It ends with Paul's prayer for this church, but I believe it's also for our churches today in 2022. As we wrestle with clearing the slate of our preconceived ideas that we've adopted fallen into t or, or fallen into today's world about what the world says our purposes really are. He writes in Ephesians 1, God chose us to be in relationship with him even before he laid out the plans for this world. He wanted us to live holy, blameless lives characterized by love, free from sin and blameless before him. Does this describe our lives? If so, it should describe our homes, our families, our churches. Are we living these holy lives that are notable by the love and blamelessness before God? That's a high calling for each one of us. Then Paul goes on to pray that God would open the eyes of our hearts and let the light of God's truth flood in. I love that word picture. And he asks God to reveal to them the hope, the plan, the purpose he was calling them to in the glorious riches he's calling them to embrace. It reads, open the eyes of their hearts and let the light of your truth flood in. Would you pray that for our church this week? Pray that for the people in your lives. Shine your light on the hope you are calling them to embrace. Reveal to them the glorious riches you are preparing as their inheritance. <clears throat> Hear these words again. Paul is saying, God, asking God to reveal to us that truth, to shine his light on the hope he's calling us to. God does not place us in a guessing game. It's, it is his desire to show us his purposes in this life, what he created us for. He wants to do that, and as we stay close to him, we will know instinctively what that is. Just like when we get to know a person that we really care about, over time, we come to a place where we instinctually know what they like or how they will respond to a given situation. It happens because of our closeness, and it's the same way with God. Last month, I shared when we are rescued by him, when we claim him as our savior, we are able to live in a place of sober mind. We are able to love well bringing healing to our relationships. We become humble servants of his, and we do so without grumbling. Our lives become centered around the faithful stewardship of our time, our resources, our gifts, and our family lives. 
Our conversations become full of grace. This is being faithful in the everyday things of life. We live this out in these ways where all aspects of our life are filtered through who he has become to us. The glory and honor go to him as the world takes notice and says, there's something different about them. I read this devotional um, later this week and um, I just love the word picture that it brings to us. And I wanted to share it. The writer tells a story about um, he uses the verse, your, light, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And he goes on to say that, you know, he tells the story of how we all um, have been on the road before when someone was out there with their lights off. And it doesn't happen quite so much anymore because cars now turn on and off automatically, at least the newer cars. But when it's dark and someone's driving and you can see that they have no lights on, it's a bit scary. And so people will flash their lights to get their attention. And um, as we seek God's wisdom for our life, his clarity and wisdom, I'll go back to that story, we hear it over and over. We need to know it, God's word. We need it to be embedded in us. We don't just need a Bible on our shelf or our coffee table, or even just that 15 minutes so we can check off that we did our devotional time. But we need God's word to read us. We need God's word to show in our lives. And so he makes this analogy when he says, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I love the verse, it's a familiar one, and we teach our children that often in our children's programs. So he says, while out in the evening driving, we all come across cars with its lights on and the person has no idea. It happens to all of us. But when we see that person, we flash our lights on in an effort to tell them they're driving in the dark and are a hazard not only to themselves, but to everyone around them. He goes on to say, think about what it would be like if we all drove at night without our lights on. How dangerous that would be. But he says, we live in a world like that. More and more people are driving around with their lights off. It's a very dark time in our world. And the verse reminds us as his followers that God's word lights the path in front of us so that we avoid tripping up on obstacles or whatever might be right in front of us. He says, that's kind of like your low beams. But he says, God's word also shows us in this verse in Psalm 119, as it says, it lights up where we are headed also. It lights up the road that lies ahead of us. That's kind of like our high beams. God's word illuminates our path through the word of God that has been consistently impressed on our hearts and embedded in our minds and in flesh in our real lives. That doesn't happen unless we're intentional about going deep in God's word. He says, some cars have the newer features where the high beams turn on automatically depending on the light on the road. And that is what a person that is steeped and saturated in God's word is like. The wisdom and counsel we need is automatic and flows from us effortlessly. We then have a sense of what God's calling and purposes are for us. So appreciate that analogy from J.D. Walt and his seedbed devotional. Pastor Fern reminded us a few weeks back that we may desire Jesus, 
but cannot do it ourselves. And knowing what to do is not enough either. We need God to show us and to teach us. How do we live like Jesus? We stay in close relationship with him. And as we know, that is so much more than coming to church on Sundays. We bear fruit in our lives, live out his purposes when we remain in him, as we're reminded in John 15. If you abide in me and I in you, you will bear great fruit. Without me, you will accomplish nothing. I know sometimes we have conversations with people as they're in a decision-making process about a job opportunity or which college to go to and the like. Sometimes we all move into seasons where we have an important decision to make and just wish God would write it across the sky or send us a text and say, here you go, this is what to do. But in the end, Jesus isn't all that interested in which college we choose or which job we land, but rather if we are seeking first the kingdom of God as he instructs us. Matthew 6.33 reads this, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Jesus wants us to establish right priorities and then says the rest will follow. If we move here or take this job, will it take us away from solid, needed Christian fellowship? Will it in any way diminish our priority for God's best for our family and so on? These are the kind of questions that we need to be asking. Scripture tells us that when we are faithful in the little things, he'll give us bigger things to oversee. As he says in Matthew 25, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. So let's be faithful to God in the small things, in the ordinary living of every day. When we are, clarity comes and we discover our purposes in him. Ignatius of Loyola says that direct guidance from God rarely comes dramatically. But most of the time, God uses the ordinary to speak to us. We must learn to be tranquil so that we can listen and respond. I've always found since early in my own journey that when I make that quiet time with God, though I may not hear anything specific in that time alone with him, I most definitely do as time goes on, as I go about the ordinary in my day. It may be something I read later or a word from a friend or even through my times of corporate worship with those I share life in God with. He never fails but I have to practice that posture of listening. Philip Yancey writes this about his own quiet time. He says, many days I would be hard pressed to describe a direct benefit of my quiet time. I keep on though, whether it feels like I'm profiting or not, I show up in hopes of getting to know God better and perhaps hearing from God in ways accessible only through quiet and solitude. I found that I needed the discipline of regularity to make possible those exceptional times of free communication with God. One of the tools I have often used through the last 10 years or so is the Spiritual Disciplines Handbook by Adele Calhoun. Some of you may remember she came and did a spiritual care weekend for us back in 2014. This book has several disciplines such as slowing, unplugging, silence, 
solitude and the like to help guide us to that place we, where we are in a healthy and consistent listening posture with God. I highly recommend having a copy of that book on hand to help you as you seek God's purposes and guidance in following his will and plans. Now going back to the story I started with, when we did finally make that decision to leave what was really our first home church, I was very tempted to, at the least, take a real break from church as I knew it. I was really upside down inside over all that had occurred, but I knew for sure if I did, I might never go back. I just wasn't sure in the turmoil of that season. So the Sunday after we had made the decision to leave, we showed up here at Community Chapel. I don't remember much about those first few months, but we did show up every week. I remember as I prayed through that season, expressing my own confusion and disillusionment over all that had occurred, and saying to God, you know, I, I don't know if I can ever trust again. And as I mentioned earlier, when we make that time to be with him, he's faithful to answer, affirm, encourage, or direct, whatever the circumstances might call for. And on that occasion, I recall one of those almost audible responses from the Lord that we get once in a while. I remember exactly where I was standing in my kitchen when I heard him say, well, Mary, maybe you don't have a good reason to trust people after this experience, but you do have reason to trust me. And he went on to say, church is hard. But church, the gathering of believers, was my idea. And it became clear to me that was my answer. And though I didn't get it, and it was going to take some time for those wounds to heal, we stayed in church. That was God's direction in that season, leading me to continue living out his purposes. God provided a new body of believers and over the next few years began to draw me to the sense of calling to pastoral ministry and used Pastor Jeff and others to affirm that calling over many years, bringing me to the place of ordination in 2014. I wonder what I might have missed if I had just quit church or if I had become cynical and stopped listening and learning. What lesson I would have left my kids with about the church or about what you do in life when things get hard. But in all honesty, I was tempted to do all of those things and find my own way without the church. But hear me when I say God did not need that particular bad church situation to bring me to this place today. But he did redeem it. He did use the move this unwanted move as a stepping stone to the next place. He was directing me in my own journey with him. I will say it's much easier to see that now, but it wasn't so much back then. During my years here, as time moved along and I was able to move past some of what had occurred and grieve the losses, I began to reflect on this closeness I felt with God, even as a child, and what he might have been doing in my heart, even back then. And that began bringing me to the place where I was hearing him calling me into ministry, a ministry to people walking through the hard places of life. And that was the start of bringing me to today. So I share all this to say, 
don't ever stop searching. God is always directing and guiding. He will use the delightful places in your life, and he will for sure use the places of pain and loss in your life to speak and to guide. As we recall again the verses in Proverbs 16, God directs the steps of the godly. He's always about redeeming the tough stuff we go through and making something beautiful out of the ashes of our lives. Remember, the difficulties are not too hard for him to fix, repair, or redeem. Nothing is impossible with him. Would you pray with me this morning? Gracious God, we are grateful for your word that reminds us you do indeed direct our steps and that you delight in the details of our everyday lives. We are thankful for the reminder that as we wait at your feet, as we learn your word to the place where it is embedded in the fiber of our being, that you do indeed light our paths and show us the way. May we be people committed to the immersion of your word in our lives that we might daily sense your direction and be a light to the world around us as we follow your purposes and calling for us. May this be a new day, a marker in our lives as we seek to live out this commitment to your word and your ways. In Christ's name, amen.